Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Tonight. We're talking football, talking Raging Cajun football with former Cajun, former analyst, Chris Lano. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. And yourself, how are you doing, Craig? I'm doing well. You know, I'm sitting here. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm enjoying a little bourbon, you know, a little lightweight here, some little 80 proof stuff, you know, but it, it it's smooth. Well, I got a little ice water right here. Okay. To counter yeah, it's all good. It's fine, though. There's nothing wrong with that. Before we get started, though, how are the kids doing? I know you said there was a little stomach virus going around. And you weren't able to make the game. I know you watched it, but you weren't able to make it. The kids doing okay? It wasn't just me that was upset about that. My Even my kids, they you know, they like going back to the in-laws' house. They like spending time over at my wife's parents' house. They get to see their cousins in Lafayette. So, you know, it was a little bit of a, uh, a downer in that sense. It was a Saturday morning decision. And I'm actually glad we didn't go. We didn't suck it up and go because my son wound up getting the flu that night as oh. well. And it was pretty bad. I mean, he was pale. He was just chalk white all day Saturday and Sunday. Um, it's just I stayed home with him while my wife went the mask. And we kind of rotated in that sense. Uh, but it, it was rough. Yeah. But you know, got to watch the game on television, you know, but that was good. Got to get a little bit of work done around the house. But overall, the kids are fine, just busy with fall sports. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think my daughter, not that anybody cares, who's eight years old, but who's going to turn nine on Sunday. Her calling, I think, right now is volleyball. She's a hell of a volleyball athlete. So, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. But I'm ready to talk some cages with you. Look forward to it all week. Well, before we start talking football, you know, we got a pretty good volleyball coach over here and a, uh, and a volleyball team that's getting better each and each week, I believe. So something to look forward to maybe 10 years down the road. Yeah. You never know. You, you just never know. Absolutely. So um, let's, 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 let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the good first. We're going to do three small segments here or three segments. And I'm not going to say they're small because we'll talk until we're done talking. Uh, but it. we're gonna do, we'll do the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's start out with the good. What were your thoughts um, on the good side of things? Well, I mean, you take the opponent into consideration with South Al, and they were a very formidable opponent. They're not just a good South Al opponent, uh, team. They're just a good overall team. They're just a quality football team. And uh, definitely one of the better teams of the G5. And you know, just we knew how strong they were going to be up front on the, on the defensive side of the football. And I think the good that I take away out of this game is you're starting to see the offensive line. Hopefully, it's a trend of things to come that you start to see them gel a little bit. And uh, I, I thought overall it was good play. I thought it was consistent for the most part throughout the game. And it just, you know, it's just good to see that that unit started to show a little bit of life. I think they were able to get a little bit of a, of a push up front for our running backs to run the football. So that's always promising. I think with the bad coming in, it's a little bit of the inconsistent play at quarterback. Now, a lot of that had to do with Chandler Fields getting hurt early. I understand that. And he, I know he was banged up all week. It was more of a game time decision for him. He came out and he tried to give it a go, but, uh, We'll see what his status is coming into next week against Marshall. I, I, honestly, I, I have no opinion of the matter. I, I, I think they're kind of keeping things close to the chest. They're not revealing much detail, much information of what's going on in-house. But uh, we'll see. I know it was a sprain labrum, I believe it was, his diagnosis. And I, I couldn't tell you. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea what the, the severity of that 
Um, uh, I'm assuming it's it, it affects his throwing throwing shoulder or his throwing motion. That is, but we'll we'll see. But I think the the positive going into next week is Woldridge knows if Chandler is out, then he's got a full week and a half to prepare, knowing that he is the one. He's the guy. And I think you're going to just see one offensive game plan just kind of revolve around him. So, but that I, I get that now. The ugly, I, I will say it, and I, I got to be honest with you, Craig. I'm very at this point. I'm I'm just I'm extremely disappointed about this. And I think this unit has gotten a big pass thus far. To me, you know, when it, when it comes to me talking about UL, they're not getting a pass. And I think it needs to be said that this the wide receiver core has been. Very poor, to say the least. I mean, too many drop balls. In coming into a season where you knew you would have question marks at the quarterback position, you knew there was going to be some some inconsistent play along your offensive line. That group is a is a veteran savvy group. They're talented. They're big. They've been around for a while in this program, and you expect a lot more from them. And I think Jefferson Stevens and even Peter LeBlanc, now he didn't drop any of this past game. He, he was able to haul in all of his catches, all of his targets. But Jefferson and Stevens have been a big disappointment. They, they got to start being more consistent at the wide receiver position. It's too many drop passes, especially in the red zone when it counts. It's more, you know, to, to, to shine a uh, brighter light on it in the end zone, that is. Uh, and, and you've seen it now week after week after week, and it's got to get better. Now, will it get better? I don't know. Now, the one the one thing I do like is you start to see a more consistent rotation amongst that core. You're not rotating as much, per se. You're starting to see your top guys come in. But the problem is they've been inconsistent. They haven't proven themselves as to be a formidable number one true wide receiver, whoever that may be. And uh, th- that's been very disappointing because we've already got enough troubles that is uh, around the football outside of the wide receiver position. This was a unit that we there was a lot of promise coming into, and it's not one that we had circled coming into the season without with any question marks. It was more so, you know, highlighting the quarterback position and the offensive line play. Tight ends have been great. That's all we really need to, see to say about the tight ends. I think Pierce Meagle and Johnny Lumpkin have been very consistent. I think I think those two might be your best options in the passing game thus far from what they've shown, shown in the season. Pierce Meagle just has very short hands. He, he runs very good routes. But uh, going back to the ugly, I have to give that nod to the wide receiving core. Let's go back to the uh, the, the good first, uh, and then we'll, we'll hit the other points along the way. But um, I, I don't think, people realize how much uh, Landon Burton being out at the beginning of the year was going to hurt that offensive line. He's getting a little bit more playing time at center. It looks like, I mean, that's got to be a good thing and a good thing to look forward to in the Cajuns offensive well, line play. Yeah, without question. I mean, you just, you look at the optics of it. He, he adds to it four inches of girth, you know, a longer wingspan. And you've seen with David Hudson, a, a lot of the interior defensive fronts that we face, they've been kind of just uh, game planning around him, just just understanding that he's just more of an undersized offensive lineman. He's a he, like, he's a quality player. I mean, but, but but is David Hudson a starter in this league? No, I don't believe so. And that's just me being truthful. I love the kid. I know his dad well. He coached me back for for uh, four years 
when I was with the university playing. And uh, so I have a lot of respect for David Hudson, but he is not a starter for this football team. He is more of a reserve role type interior lineman that w- which we used last year. And we came in and he filled in, he paid dividends for us. He did very well at both guard spots. So I, I think he's best suited for that. Um, Landon Burton, you're right. I mean, he showed some flashes and uh, now he's got more than a week uh, to prepare for Marshall. We'll see how his body uh, just kind of heals up a little bit more going into the days of next Wednesday. And hopefully uh, he comes in, he's a full-time starter. And then we'll really get to get a good look and see what this offensive line is all about. The other one uh, on the offensive line in, in which I don't think, um, you know, that's where we, that's where we lost the most at offensive line. Eight out of our top 10 guys left after last year for whether, whether it's the NFL graduation or, or, or uh, transferred, but Carlos Rubio, I know was supposed to be a big part of the, the offensive line last year, but again, got hurt. Didn't be it wasn't able to fulfill that like like we had hoped last year. Is that another thing that I'm not saying game shape necessarily, but just being able to go full speed as an offensive lineman? Is that something that takes a little time as well? Well, I, I don't think it has much to do with game speed or or, or or being in game shape. I think because offensive line is so much more cerebral. You know, it's, it's being able to communicate down the line and understanding the chemistry of monks, uh, each one. So I think that's why you've seen in years past in an 18 and a 19, especially in the 19 season where it really kicked off because they all those guys, they played together for a full year and they came back and they understood communication when it comes to stunts, when it comes to, to slants and, and just understanding what the defense is showing pre-snap communication, all that applies with an offensive line who's savvy and has been around and knows what the communication uh, amongst each other. So I think it applies more to that, more so physical. It's just more cerebral. Yeah, and that's what I meant, not game speed so much as it was, um, or or I should say game shape, but game speed, learning what everybody's doing around you. Uh, I understand that they go through everybody. Every other team does it as well. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, that's where I think we're we're uh, we're learning things. Um, so I, I think the the other thing that's good is I I think we played a better I think we've improved from 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 Rice to ULM to now. Um, is it good enough? Well, obviously it hasn't been good enough those those three games. But if we can take that next step. I do feel that South Alabama is probably the best team we're going to play outside of Florida State that's left on our schedule. Well, you look at what we've done so far, it really is a head scratcher because, you know, you look at the Eastern Michigan game and, you know, the first half, you can call it what it was. I mean, it was a dud, but you come out in the second half and, you know, based off what Eastern Michigan has done since then, they look like somewhat of a formidable opponent. They played pr- fairly decent after us. So who are they? And I guess knowing, understanding what they are gives us a better definition of what we are. And for what we did in that second half, can that be us? Can we show more signs of that scoring 42 points in the second half, just coming out and just being just a, just, just a wrecking ball? 
both defensively and offensively. And, you know, record aside, you look at the way we've lost these games, very unorthodox, just just uh, plays that, you know, you, you never really want to kind of highlight when, when you're looking back at your year that, okay, we, we, we lost the game this way. And, uh, you know, you very rarely win a game in that fashion, but, you know, we're talking about bad snaps. We're talking about uh, fumbling in the red zone, just miss, missing a short field goal. I mean, he plays that they don't represent a trend. It, that is, is what I like to define it as they're, 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 they're very um, just uh, finicky in a way they're, they're unorthodox and it can be easily corrected just, you know, with 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 the, with the uh, you know with, with the snap of your fingers, just from from one week to the next week. So you know, you, you kind of you eliminate those miscues that we've had against ULM, and you look back at last week against South Alabama. If you make a field goal, you probably win that game. You know, I, I think it changes just the discourse a little bit for the rest of that game. But you know, in, in that sense, you know, you could be looking at a four and one ball club. I mean, I, I know it's what if, but, uh, well, but, but there's always a silver lining to it. I think it's the same thing on the side of last year though. We had uh one, two, three, four, five, six games that were determined by one score. And, 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 and we won those play, games though. There were plays that would happen, but we always wound up on the positive side. You know, we, we used to joke about it, uh, Daryl Bruce and myself, Billy Napier had that golden horseshoe up his ass. I mean, he just did, and we couldn't explain it. And he, he goes to Utah in the first game, and Utah throws an interception on the five-draw line to win the game when really all they needed to do was kick a field goal to go into overtime, I believe it was. And, all, and, and Florida intercepts the ball. I'm thinking he carried that same horseshoe with him to Florida. How does he do that? So you're right. You're right, and you go back to the 18th season where ULM had missed that field goal uh, late against um, us for to that which also which catapulted us in the championship game. One uh, play that gets that never gets talked about in that 18th season where we had to overcome a fourth and long with Lee, with Andre Nunez, the quarterback, against Arkansas State at home. We had to convert that to keep the drive going. Uh, so that that somehow gets lost in the shuffle, and other things that just that transpired but we always came out on top i think for this year it's been the antithesis you know we were coming out below and hopefully you know something's got to change and just you know because just the odds are just in our favor that at some point a 50 50 chance you know you're going to get lucky at some points well to me it's one of those things so let's say and i and we can't do it but the of, of those six games you know five of them were were decided by five points or less, and three of them were a one-point game to beat Arkansas State, uh, which was honestly a very, very bad team last year. Horrible defensively. Yeah. Histor historically, they were bad defensively. Yeah. But, you know, then we won't beat South Alabama by two, and then we beat Nichols by three. So, I mean, it's not – I don't think this is uncommon – uh, but we just happen it's not an uncommon thread with with cajun teams it's just that it had it hadn't happened the last four years because good teams they they just learn how to win they figure out how to win and sometimes it, just, it comes at the hands of the opponent yeah but it, it's better to be lucky than good 
and we've had we rode that luck for so long and maybe Craig we just ran out, out of that good luck you know we, we've got to somehow find a way to fill it back up well the only game that I remember that was a, a game that we played that that we lost that was close was that coastal game in 2000 in 2000 and it was a game we played without Farrar Gardner yeah too, who, who, our most important player on the defensive side of the football you know, the quarterback in the middle linebacker position. And a play that we're also, we haven't mentioned, is the 50-plus yarder we had to kick to beat Georgia Southern last year at home. Yeah. I mean, a kicker in Nate Snyder who struggled making short field goals all season was just on the brink of getting benched. He comes out with a 50-plus to, to win it. You know, you, you, you miss it, you lose. You make it, you win. It's one of those cases. So, you know, all the pressure's on him, and he drills it. Yeah, I can't explain it. I cannot explain it. But on to this season, though, Craig, uh, at some point you got to see that luck turn around. And uh, I think I call it a mini buy. It's not a full buy. And I, I like the way the schedule kind of sets up in that sense because you could take multiple games. You could take several days off each week instead of just one full week to prepare for one opponent, where now you can divide it between a couple opponents and have several extra days for each week. And I kind of like that. You know, I, I look at it in that sense, and uh, I think the direct – I think our AD, Dr. Brian Maggard, likes that as well. So that, that's, I think that's the benefit of playing these midweek games. And, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, going into next week. Now, defensively, uh, I'm sure if you want to transition to that, you know, this is your show. I'll let you leave with that if you like. Well, I, I just want to go back to one more game that, that, that again, we were lucky. It was 2000 was the game at App, at State. We win 24-21. We, how many balls did we hike over, you know, you know, on punts? Did, did, did we hike over the punter's head or, you know, and then, then yeah, we ended up taking but, a – You know, we, we were lucky, but that was to our own demise. I will say that. I mean, yeah. we, caused, we caused that. But no. you're right. You're right. But you're right. There, but, there, but there's no we, question But my it. point is that we came over – we came we, – we, uh, we went over – ah, shit. We didn't go overtime, but they were no, no. Were, but we no. I'm I'm talking about we 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 gave up over that adversity. We gave up a safety to put us yeah. up by two. No, I know. I'm not talking and, about that. I'm I'm talking about we gave up. We we got we we were able to get over the adversity that we established in the game, and you yes. felt like it was one of those games. But this team hasn't been able to do that yet. No. Not yet. But, but but at the same time, if you if you look at everything, teams around our league, uh, all of them have had that little run where you kind of go, okay, is this is this the game that's going to catapult them to the next game? But to your point, yes, I think the schedule does uh, set up nicely. I think we only have uh, the one game with the short week. We have Georgia Southern coming in. We play mm -hmm. Troy on a Saturday, but you know, those are back-to-back -back home games. It's not like in the past where we played on Saturday and then had to travel on the road on Thursday. So, uh, but um, I forgot where we where we, where you went with the good though. There, uh, old line beginning to gel. All right. So the bad was the bad to inconsistent play at quarterback, and it came okay. a little bit of the demise of, of Chandler being hurt, which is understandable. But the ugly to me is the wide receiver core. Yeah. It, it, it's it's got it. They have to pick it up. They need to be the leaders in that room, just based off of everything that we talked about of of all the intangibles. The fact they've been here the longest, they show the most potential amongst the group. 
just with with their overall size and talent. So it, it's it's got to be better, and it, it was expected to be better, and it just hasn't been that way so far this year. Okay, so back to the quarterback play. You you talked about the labrum. I didn't I didn't know it was a labrum. Very painful injury. Uh, uh, don't it, don't quote me on that. that that's no, that's I know. I heard, that's what I heard in the grapevine, but uh, but we'll we'll see. I, I I I know nothing of the status of him going into yeah. the next week against Marshall. We, and we both of I. We, we have no clue, and I think they're just they're keeping that close to the chest because I don't think uh, even Chandler or Mike they don't even know at this point. Yeah, it's a good deal, but I agree with you on the wide receiver group. Uh, they need to come through, and I I do like the fact that we're getting the ball to the uh, to the to the tight end. So to your point there, uh, what about what type of different dimension though does Lance Le, uh, Lejean bring to this team? You know, he, he was able to, to, to make a one catch, but I, I'll bring it up again. I would, now that he's on the field, send Ben Woolrich out to a wide receiver and, and, and he's got number 12 on. So put him back there in the quarterback position. I don't care if you use him like Taysom Hill, but give that offense a different look, especially when you got one yard to get. Well, I don't understand the, the number change in the sense that if you got to change this number so we could play wide receiver, then why don't you just keep the number? Just, just keep the wide receiver number. Even so, even if you have to play my quarterback then just put him back at quarterback at number 12. So I, I don't understand why there's always a debate of whether or not he's going to go back to nine. I know we, he went back and forth this year. Just keep him at 12. Now, now that there's no question, because I understand Neil Johnson is number nine at tight end position, which is why he had to change his number. So, but 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 you're right though. I mean, he he adds a different dimension to this team, and you know you got a little glimpse of it when he got the ball in his hands uh, last Saturday. I think they're trying to draw more plays for him to find the ball, easy ways to find the ball in his hands, not necessarily having to run down the field and catch a football. That might not be where his talent lies, but just try to find something behind the line of scrimmage, just hand the ball off to him, and just let him utilize his his skill set. And you know. We'll we'll see what Mike has is up his sleeve going into this week. Um, whether or not he decides to put him at the quarterback position. Now you saw the few times where we used the quarterback power with Woldridge. You know it was effective. It was it was there were designed plays for Woldridge to run, and it just goes to show when you have that extra blocker in for Woldridge to kind of for the, for the pave the way for him to run the football. You know, it, it, it's a tough play to stop. I've always been, I've always said, I've always stated, it's the toughest play to stop in football. And uh, it's why Cam Newton was so efficient in his early years with Carolina. Uh, and I, I just think that, uh, you know, when you run more design plays for Woolrich, you know, where you're going to have that lead blocker and, and the offensive line can kind of call out their assignments. You know, I, I, I'd like to see more of that. I, why not? Just go ahead and utilize him. He is more of a running quarterback for you. And, um, uh, but but you never know because now if Chandler is hurt, you might may not want to take chances with Woolridge running the football. So go ahead and get get somebody like Lejean ready. Get get him get him more acclimated into the offense. We'll see what he does. But uh, but it was good to see him get the ball in his hands a couple times last game. Yeah, I'd like to see him. Even though I hate the play, I think he would be the, the other good play for him would be the jet sweep, that little touch pass with the receiver coming in motion. Let him. Uh, get up ahead of steam i mean i mean he's what six six three or something like that 
I agree, but I'd rather something where he already has his shoulders turned towards the line of scrimmage and just let him go. I don't want him running laterally. I want him just going vertical, just going straight and just lowering his head and just bulldozing his way to, to you know, to create the kind of havoc that I know he's capable of. But you're right, though. Those the little jet sweeps. I mean, I think that's what we what we did do for him last game, just to find a way to get him to touch the football. And uh, I wouldn't mind seeing more of that as well. All righty, let's go move on to the defensive side of the ball. Let's uh, talk about what you saw there on the defense. I think the, I don't think the defense was as far behind as the offense um, the last couple of games, uh, but I think they did improve as well this week. Am I wrong with what I'm seeing? Yeah, and, and listen, let me talk about what's been a hot topic uh, coming out of Saturday. And that's that last possession that the defense showcased, um, you know, with 42 seconds left. I got to say, I went back, I believe it might have been Tuesday, Craig, or Monday or Tuesday, and I watched that entire last possession again. And I, I got to give credit where credit is due, and I'm, I'm kind of going against the grain here from what everybody else is saying. I thought Lamar called that entire possession brilliantly. I mean, it was brilliant. He applied pressure on every play. And I, I, and I know where, you know, people like to define the, the prevent defense based off how many people you rushed. That's not the case. But but going but starting from the very beginning, he was he was getting pressure in the face of the quarterback for the first several plays. The run play, I think, really caught Louisiana off guard. I think they were trying up, up front. They were trying to run a stunt along their front to get more pressure on the quarterback. But while Zion Hill Green was running his stunt, I think he performed it a little too early. And what happened on that play, because that was the game-changing play, the third down run. What happened was Zion peaked his, you know, he was peeking inside to cut around, I believe, to loop around where the nose was going to go outside to get in, to get containment. But he did a little a little too early, and it got it, he got out of position which left it wide open along that uh, outside C gap along that right tackle. And that's why the play broke so much for, for 10 plus yards and they were able to sustain the drive. That's what happened. And I, I just think it caught Lamar off guard. It caught me off guard. I think it caught everybody off guard. That was a brilliant play call by South Alabama. And I got to give credit where credit is due. Nobody saw that coming. And, um, you know, you fast forwarded all the way to the very last plate, which eventually put South Allen field goal position. Listen, you know, they had five plus men in the box. You know, they only rushed three, but they were spying the running back. And I think one of the linebackers was ready to rush at the right moment. But you got to give credit where, where you know, I, I think we were in the throwing lane of the receiver. But because the ball was thrown a little bit off target, the big receiver was able to go up and snatch it, which was out of the realm, of, which was out of the hands of the linebacker or the safety, whoever it was, that was that was really kind of uh, mirroring the quarterback and the wide receiver. So it just worked out well for South Bell. I thought the play was very well uh, defended, but it, it was the perfect throw 
in the perfect situation and they got enough to, to uh, put them in field goal position. They ultimately win the football game. So I, I, let me, I, I kind of want to cool that fire a little bit. I know there was a lot of talk. I went back and I felt like I had to watch it myself so I can just give it a little bit better analysis with you, Craig. And really it, it was just, it was good execution on two plays. Really. It just came out to two plays. It was a third down run play where they broke for 10-plus yards in that long pass play. Other than that, Lamar did a great job. I mean, Lamar, throughout the entire series, called a great game plan. So I, I think I think fans need to kind of step back a little bit, take a lot of onus off of him. He's a young coordinator, and I, I thought did a hell of a job again. But defensively, I just – I don't think they were at fault for the way they – for the way they called it in the last possession. It was just on two plays. It was just executed brilliantly by the coaching staff for South Al and by the players in the field. Well, I think the good thing is too that that the uh, you know six tackles for losses, which is uh, second highest. Uh, Eastern Michigan was we had seven, but at the same time, we only had one against ULM, which tells you a lot about that story. But you know, uh, this team continues. But but to your point. Six quarterback hurry, hurries, which was a uh, team high also, and four breakups. You know, so I, I think this defense is – the defense played well enough for us to win is yes. my point. They, they have all, all season. Yes. They have. So They have all season, you could say maybe with the exception of Rice, but then again, just offensively, just not able to get anything done on the board to, to really um, – to, to really counter what the defense is, was able to do for you. So, or, or comp- not counter, but compliment the defense. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. But, but you know, at the, the same point, though, that, that time, Rice had the ball for almost 40 minutes that game. You know, if you look at the other game, Southeastern, we had 56 tackles, Eastern Michigan, 76, ULM, 63, South Alabama, 78, 105 tackles. So that tells you how many times – how much more time the, the uh, Rice had the ball. And that just wears your big man down, especially no on the question. defensive line. So, no you know, the one, here is uh, – I, I like to find stupid stuff, I know, but uh, let me see if I can find it again now. Shocking. Oh, uh, where did it go? Oh, here it is. Here's what I love. All right, so we had two Aussies punting, you know uh, – uh, Reese Burns, 41.2 yards. Jack Brooks, 40. 40 yards per punt. You know, um, the returns, which I really thought, you know, Colin Lacey is an excellent return for them, and we were able to pretty much shut him down. So I'm very impressed with that, where they weren't a lot – they didn't allow Eric Guerra to get to get down. But um, – Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I thought that was punning and I was going, but yeah, I forgot. Thomas Leo is our kickoff guy. He's not our punter, but you know, we averaged 64 yards a kickoff. They averaged 62. Uh, and the one thing that, uh, that Leo was able to do though, is that they had, they fair caught those balls at the five yard line at the four yard line. They didn't want to run it out against us because we, we had nice hang time. And, and those are the little things that I think that can, get us back in games as we score and not allowing a big return, you know, it, it, which, which, which can turn the game around, as you know, you know, so I don't know. I just, I've just been rambling and babbling 
Am I wrong with anything I'm saying there? Well, no, I mean, I will say this, though. I mean, at some point, you know, the, the very, you know, the super plays, I like to call them, you know, the touchdowns on defense, touchdowns on special teams, at some point that's going to come to a halt. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to rely on your offense to find ways to put points on the, on the, on the board. And, you know, we've relied at this point, defensive touchdowns, Eric Garrett returning kicks back. And, you know, it, it paid dividends for us against South, uh, against Southeastern. And it, it almost paid dividends for us against South Alabama. But at some point, you know, you, you can't always rely on that. You know, that's just not something you'll be able to sustain throughout the course of a year. It's been great for us this year, but, you know, ultimately you got to, you got to get something going offensively. And, um, you know, even if you can't score, you got to be able to sustain drives for just several first downs to keep that defense off, keep the defense off the football field. But, uh, you know, it, it's been very, you know, it's, it's been nice to see, though, that we're just we're finding other ways to put points on the football, on, on the scoreboard. But, you know, it, that's something that just won't be able to sustain throughout the course of the year. You know, the one, you know, we, we look at different things and, 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 uh, a stat that I was about the the Cajuns and the Jaguars are two of the top top three teams uh, when it comes to penalty yards, you know, yeah. or penalties. Uh, and and I I think that's another thing that's a little different. And I don't know, you know, I, we're we're seeing some unusual things with us jumping off sides, the false starts. You know, those are things we didn't see in the past. And I know part of it is uh, the guys are getting beat, so they're trying to get a little extra jump. But, you know, we, we've got to be able to settle down because it seems like when we when they come at the most inopportune time, not that there's ever a good time for a penalty, but they come really at it. I mean, when you, when you got second and one and all of a sudden, you know, you're back you're back to second and six and then, then something else happens and it's third and six, there's not a whole lot of – play calling you can do there i mean there is don't give me i mean i know there's a play for but you know those are the things that are frustrating to me um so to me that's the ugly the ugly side of this game well i mean i'll speak from the heart on this and i think uh what's i'll, I'll add to the ugly and um i mean this is coming from somebody myself who's played four years with mike and when his announcement got when when his hiring was announced on on social media, that, that's how I heard about it. I, I found out through Twitter, and several of my friends texted me at the time. You know, for me, it's one of those moments where I'll never forget where I was when it happened. You know, that meant a lot to me. You know, and just reading the caption, uh, Louisiana's uh, coach or Louisiana born, the, the way it was written up, it was emotional to me. That all said, the reason why. You know, you ask a lot of us uh, alumni, you know, guys who, who've been around him and, and, and just kind of know the person. The, the, the reason why we loved it is we, we believed that Mike coming in as the head coach, he was going to be able to instill a lot of the, the uh, things that he did when he was a player as a quarterback. And that was he held everybody accountable. And he did it by action. You know, he, he didn't just talk it. I mean, the guy walked it for four straight years. And when he played, because we saw what he was doing, we watched every, we watched all of his motions. We watched every step he took. 
there was a respectable fear that he had amongst us. You know, there was a time when after a game in Manhattan, we, we just finished uh, a game against Kansas State where we wanted to, where we lost at the very end. It was a heartbreaker. You know, we had a couple of guys just kind of laughing and joking in the shower. And all of a sudden, you know, Mike, after him doing all this post-game interview, as he gets in last, he gets in late, and uh, he just kind of walks in. You know, he just looks around, and he basically – I won't even use the choice words that he used, but when he was done with it, everybody shut the you-know-what up. And it was quiet. You know, you can hear a pin drop at that point. And that's the kind of thing he possessed with his teammates, and we remember that. And I had a I had a teammate of mine tell me this a few weeks ago, and, and uh, it, it kind of resonated with me a little bit. He said, Mike was that rare person where – I was old. I'm speaking from his perspective. I was older than him. And it's very rare that somebody that, you know, you get to college and somebody who's underneath you, that's behind you. He speaks and you listen, you know, you, a guy leads a guy who's younger than you and he's able to lead you, you know, that's rare. And Mike, again, was, he possessed that where I'm getting with all this is this. Everything I just said, the things that we were hoping to see at this point with this team, you know, and, and disappointingly to, to admit, I haven't seen that. I, I'm not seeing that respectable fear that the players have. Too many personal foul calls. We have guys punching other members. I don't care what they said. I don't give a damn what they called you. You know, you're a Division One athlete and you got to know better. And all this stuff that went on social media, all this talking about it, the post-game stuff that we talked about, we talked about the Rice players, but they said, I didn't want to hear any of that. I don't care about any of that. The stuff that goes on in between the whistles and after the whistles that are said, you know, you'll be surprised about that, but you don't let it get to you. And that all starts from the top. It starts with the head coach. You know, you cannot allow to put your team in jeopardy despite of what somebody tells you. you got to be a man about it. And the where I'm trying to get to is, you know, the penalties, the, 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 the false start penalties, you know, that's all mental. That's in your head. And the personal foul calls the, from Narcisse, we, you know, hopefully that's the last time we see that last game. I was embarrassed for him. You know, that's just ridiculous. You know, that's something we never did. We never did the last four years. And I really, I want to see Mike, the player, you know, Mike Decimo, the player that we all know, just come out and put his fingerprints all over this team the way he did for us as teammates. And we're waiting for that. And I know it's still there. And, uh, you know, you, you know, I, I, that's, that's the point that I'm trying to get to. You bring up the penalties and, uh, yeah, it, it's been disappointing to say the least. And um, I, I believe that, you know, there's going to be some changes. And um, I, but also just to, let me let me kind of dive into another opinion of mine. I think, Craig, at this point, you're starting to see a young coach in Mike, who I believe because I'm, he's one year older than me, I'm going to assume that he's 37. I'm 36. He's 37. I played four years with them, including my redshirt year. I think coming in to this position who's never been a head coach, never, never has been a play caller. Now, all of a sudden he's responsible for, for both uh, responsibilities, you know, not, not to sound redundant. I think there's too much on his plate. 
And I, I'd like to I'd like to see more of a Munoz or a Coach Vietor get more involved with other aspects of the game. You know, I think with for Mike, I think what he needs to do in the offseason, he needs he needs to go out, he needs to find he needs to kind of invade the FCS, you know, like Billy did, and find his Ron Roberts, find his Patrick Tonys, but on the offensive side of the football and get a very good offensive coordinator. Now, Mike, he can still have his fingerprints all over. He can all over all over the offense of what he wants to do. That's fine. But I want Mike to be more of the head coach. That's what he needs to be. He needs to be the coach of this football team. And I think right now he's he's uh, he, he's he's taking on too much. This is what I this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm thinking in terms of clock management to being able to discipline your players during the game calling plays I, I think there's too much on him he's taking on too many responsibilities and I, I don't think he was physically ready for that or mentally ready for that so I, I think it's a learning curve for him I think he, you know I could be wrong on all this maybe he you know he disagrees or other people uh, may see something different they may disagree but I, I want to see Mike become Mike the player and try to instill that into this football team and I think if that can happen, if he can achieve that, where this, these players can get more of that respectable fear that he had on us as me, with me and others, you know, because we still talk about it today. I think, you know, you're going to start to really see this program take off. And I think just the sky is the limit because he is the right man for the job. I just think that there, there's a few things that lurk, Mike is learning along the way. And I just, I really hope, uh, some of the things that I brought up, you know, it gets, it gets taken to heart, but we'll see. We'll see. There's a lot of season left to play, but the penalties, I think it's all, I think, I think everything you're seeing with the penalties, with clock management, it's all connected. And uh, we'll, we'll just kind of just see how the rest of the season plays out. Yeah, I can, I, I think you can hear it in his voice, his frustration, uh, whether it be uh, halftime or post-game interviews or press conferences. I know he's, he's not happy in multiple facets. So, well, I think we're going to see some changes because at this point, what do you have to lose? So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, any last words of wisdom before we sign off tonight? No, I was actually going to say that last point for that, for the conclusion, but uh, the way we kind of transitioned to that segment with the penalties, I, I thought that was a good time to bring it up. Most excellent. Well, Chris, thank you, as always. Uh, you've been listening to We're Talking. We've been talking football with Chris Lano, former Cajun player, as you can tell, and former analyst for Raging Cajun football <laughs> on TV and radio. Yes. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.